Welcome to the Project Unchained podcast, where my special guests and I help you break free from the chains that hold you back from life's greatest experiences. The goal of this podcast is to educate people on self-care modalities that can and will improve your life if you commit to doing them. An effective self-care regimen is the single most important thing you can do for yourself to have a more extraordinary life experience. I'm your host, Ross Lepola, and I've spent the past several years of my life on a journey of healing and self-care after living many years chained down by my own limiting thoughts and beliefs. Now, I'm here to share what I have learned and to empower you to break free from the chains that hold you back from your unlimited potential. Let's get unchained. When you were lost in the woods, you were misunderstood by everyone, everyone. You were searching for words, but they came out absurd. And no one heard you, no one heard you speak your mind. They lost the This show is brought to you by The Belonging Blueprint. One of the most valuable lessons that I have ever learned has come from becoming a parent. A child's most basic needs is to feel a sense of belonging and significance. When I learned this and reflected on my own life, it reshaped the story I held on to about my childhood. And I came to the realization that we as adults still have that basic need to feel a sense of belonging and significance. I also soon realized the most important, powerful, and sustainable way to attain that sense of belonging is to create that within ourselves. And you know I'm a big fan of radical personal responsibility, so as adults, we must cultivate our relationship with ourselves and create our own sense of belonging from the inside. This concept has inspired me to construct the Belonging Blueprint, a personal development course that is available to you now. In this course, you will learn to navigate your life with the confidence you could only dream about in the past. I'll give you the tools you need to create your own belonging blueprint that will guide you to more ease and flow in your life. You can join me and others in a private community that supports your constant growth and sense of belonging because together we rise. To get more information and enroll today, you can click the link in the show notes. You belong here. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Project Unchained podcast. I'm your host, Ross Lepola. I got a special guest back with me today, Vanessa Gale. Hey, y'all. Um, I wanted to bring her on the show today because we got some cool stuff to talk about. Um, last episode, I talked about bullying and some of the beliefs that I have around why our children continue to get bullied. And that has inspired some of the conversation that Vanessa and I are going to have today. And so one of the things I really want to make sure to kind of hit on here for a moment is the idea of trauma and how that relates to bullying, how it relates to our children, how it relates to our, you know, parenting and things of that nature. And so trauma, as I talked about in the last episode and how it's kind of defined, is that it's an event that is too much for us to cope with. And obviously that's going to look different for everyone based on uh, their maturity, their ability to handle different events, their tools, uh, their um, sense of belonging, their awareness, 
about themselves, their feelings, different things of that nature. So that's all going to have a big play in what a trauma event can be for somebody. This is going to be different for me, different for you, different for Vanessa, different for our kids. Uh, and it's going to change throughout the, the course of a person's life as well. And so I really want to hit on that because we as parents, you know, it's our, our jobs are really important and our roles are really important and what we do and can do for our children is really important. And they might not have the tools to cope with certain events in their life. And that's where we come in. But we also have to be conscious of that. We also have to be aware of that. We have to know and be able to tap into what our kids are suffering from or being traumatized by and help them work through it and empower them to be able to to cope with that event and or future events so that they don't have to be suffering from those traumatic events for an extended period of time. And so there's been all kinds of really cool stuff that Vanessa and I have been consuming for quite some time uh, to help empower us as parents. And I remember one of the things that really started to create this shift, uh, for, at least especially for me, um, and I believe also Vanessa, was there is a, a day in particular that stands out to me when Rosalie was, you know, two and not having a very good day, uh, misbehaving uh, as defined by, I guess, our standards in that moment and what we wanted her to do and so she had got sent to timeout, and that just made the struggle between us even worse because she didn't want to be in timeout. She didn't give a shit about timeout. She was two. She, I mean, two-year-olds don't understand the concepts of timeout other than just being forced to do something they don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and she wasn't having none of it. She wouldn't, wasn't staying in timeout and put her back in timeout and she wouldn't stay in timeout. And it was finally like, man, all right, this doesn't work for us. Yeah. It doesn't work for Rosalie. Who's crying more <laughs> us or her. Right. <laughs> and so we needed to find a different way forward. And like Q Vanessa's mothering, naturing, nurturing instincts and intuition that has been huge in guiding us and empowering us moving forward. Is that my cue to talk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Well, first off, with this episode today, I want to definitely remind everyone and let everyone know that we're not experts on this. We're just going to tell you our story, give you some tools about the things that we use and have worked for us. Um, we've used trial and error. We've done things to the book and then tweaked them for ourselves. Um, and we're going to tell you all about that today. Um, and I think, you know, with Ross cueing me here on intuition, I think that's the first thing we have to tap into as parents is our self-awareness and our truth. And I know you and I talked a lot about that on my first podcast that I was with you on episode five, um, where we chatted a bit about our core beliefs and our being at peace and understanding what those things are for us and how they can shift and change over time. And as parents, I think we're 
extra challenged because we have many versions of <laughs> growing up right next to us, alongside us, guiding us in a way, showing us where our blind spots are, challenging our patience and our ability to keep our cool and our ability to discipline lovingly or and create a structure around our lives so that discipline isn't necessarily the first thing we go to. It's honestly the last thing we go to. Um, and I look at it, I don't even, we don't even use that word all that much around here because it's not something we ever have to come to. Um, that being said, where do you want to start with the tools? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a lot of them. Um, I, I suppose before we really get into some of the tools is like the core intent behind a lot of the tools is to leave the child empowered to make good and smart choices for themselves. And when they're able to do that, I mean, we don't get to that point where we got to discipline them and put them in timeout and struggle with that power struggle. And cause like they, they're, they're just, they're learning. They don't know. And so I, I think of it as if I, for me, I start thinking about it. If I get to the point where I need to put Rosalie in timeout or discipline her or something along those lines, that's my shortcoming as a parent for not teaching her and empowering her. And I made a mistake somewhere along the line that I need to think back at, reflect on, become aware of, and reorientate and move forward in a way that's going to empower her rather than have to discipline her. Yeah. And that's that's a great point to make, too, is when we notice that we're getting into a power struggle with Rosalie, it's because we're entertaining the power struggle. And being aware of that is what allows us to shift our energy into a state of, all right, this isn't going to be a power struggle because this isn't about power, in all honesty. You know, it's about human connection and developing a soul here that's going to do good in the world and bring more amazing connection and creativity to the world. And so it's not about power and trying to win a battle with your child um, is, you know, pointless. <laughs> right. And if we it, tying it back again to bullying and we look at some of the definitions of bullying, a lot of that, a lot of the things in the core idea of bully behavior is using your power over somebody else of perceived less power. So in this idea of you must do this because I'm your dad and I'm your authority, respect my authority. Like you I go to timeout. So. I said so. You do that. <laughs> like that is that is bullying. It's bully mm -hmm. behavior. Right? So like again thinking about how we need to lead by example and 
how I, I start to look at it and believe that our children continue to get be bullied because we bully each other. Well, we also like, in a sense, use some of that bullying in our parenting. And so that's where a lot of these tools come in is to empower us as parents to step away from that power struggle, to step away from that coercion, to step away from forcing your child to do something because you're bigger and you're taller and you're stronger and you're more powerful. No, empower the kid, not you. Don't be, don't be bigger than the kid. Make the kid bigger. Awesome. And so let's dive right into our first tool and maybe one that was initially the most pivotal and we saw the most change in Rosalie's behavior yeah. when we started using this tool. And it's a tool we call Me and You Time. And Ross, give a little bit of a synopsis on what Me and You Time is for, and then we can talk about what it is. Well, it's really for to make sure that you get to really connect with the kid on their level. And they, as you connect with them on their level, they're going to feel a incredibly strong sense of belonging and significance. And that's really important that they feel like they belong. They feel significant. They feel important to this life. They feel like they are a part of something and not just, you know, here to do the fucking chores. <laughs> They're here for something more than the damn chores. <laughs> and so me and you time, the rules around me and you time is that there is a uh, delineated time that it's going to be. The other rule is that it is only with one child and one adult at a time. That means if there's one child and two parents, there's going to be two me and you times that day. And it can be 10 minutes a piece, 15 minutes a piece. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. It just has to be a period of time that is stated. We use a timer so that, you know, our child can understand the the limits and the boundaries of time. Uh, <laughs> here's the beeper and she knows. Um, but she has gotten to a point where she's like requesting me a new time on a regular basis, like daily. She knows it's coming. She's excited for it. Um, a third rule about me and you time is that we ha- get to do whatever it is that she wants to do for that 10 to 15 minutes. It's completely uninterrupted play with you and your child. And that could mean playing dollies, or it could yeah. mean playing uh, wrestling, or it could be acrobats, or like these are just examples of things she wants to play with us sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and it's she- different for me than it is for you and what she wants to do with each of us. And, you know, this can be overwhelming for a lot of people with, you know, with people with more than one kid. Like, how do we each get this amount of time with every kid? Um, and it's all about not the amount of time, but the amount of presence you put into that 5, 10, 15 minutes that you're going to commit to this me and you time. Yeah, so it's like 
you know, whatever she wants to play. She's got this thing that she wants to play doggy with me, <laughs> as she calls it, where she, like, hops on my back and I pretend to growl like a dog and I got to, like, try and, like, wiggle and jiggle and throw her off and, you know, it, like, it's whatever. It's fun. Like, it's fun for her and that's the biggest thing is that she doesn't it's ride about actual her. Dog, dogs like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nitro is unharmed in the making of doggy. <laughs> and... But again, it's really all about what she wants to do, and that creates a huge sense of belonging and significance for her because it's her time, and she gets it, and it's completely undivided. There's no phones. There's no other distracting things. There's no other people. Vanessa's not allowed to come and talk when it's me and Rosalie time, and I don't bother them when it's uh, Vanessa and Rosalie time, and that can be so impactful to their behavior and at, at least it especially was for us uh and rosalie now like vanessa said requests that she loves it and really um there there was times where we kind of got away from it a little bit and you could almost sense that she was uh lashing out and kind of struggling a little bit and we were re-intentionalized mu time again and brought that back and it was like a really big shift right away back to just ease and flow with it all. And the easy, the best time and easiest time, I think for us, and this can be different for your family, but for us, the best time to do me and you time is before and after dinner. And we do this where one person's cooking. If, if it's my night to cook, Ross and Rosalie are doing me and you time. Uh, and then we eat dinner and then because I cooked, Ross cleans up, and while Ross cleans up, it's my turn to do me and you time with Rosalie. And so, and we alternate that, you know, if he's cooking, which is normally the case, uh, <laughs> let's get serious, um, then I'm doing me and you time with Rosalie, and and then he gets me and you time after dinner when I'm cleaning up. So that's just what we found works the best in our system and structure of it all, um, you know, because... Someone over here likes a lot of structure, and that works great <laughs> for us. Um, she expects it at that time. She asks for it. We make it happen, and everyone's super happy and filled, filled by it. You know, it fills up her cup for that personal attention that she's craving and hasn't had all day because maybe she was at school or something. Yeah, and a, a quick aside note, too, like, when we talk about a healing journey, like that can be so huge for you and your healing journey because one of the things that stifles us so much is the denial of our inner child. And when we get to play and connect with our child and we get to drop down to a child ego state and not be this authoritative figure and we just let loose and play and have fun and stop worrying and fretting about responsibilities, man... That does good for the soul. <laughs> so that menu time can have lots of dual benefit and purpose there. So definitely a big tool. Uh, the the next second, uh, well, second tool, <laughs> they're all really good. Uh, one that's been super huge for us has been the regular use of family meeting time. And Vanessa, why don't you go over a bit of what we do with family meeting? 
All right, so the rules and regulations and system of family meeting. First, it always starts off with appreciations. So that means everyone goes around the room and tells everyone in the room what they appreciate about them or that they did that week for them or something. Just anything that they appreciate. And it can be as simple as, I appreciate you for cooking dinner tonight, Dad. Or I appreciate you for... uh doing my laundry this week, mom, or whatever. Um, or I just appreciate you for being you and smiling all the time and, and giving me that hug earlier today when I needed it. Just simple, easy appreciations. That's how we started off. And we let her choose who goes first. That's always funny. <laughs> Next, uh, we go into schedule. And so that means that's where we talk about the schedule for the week. Um, we talk about what needs to happen in order to maybe get to school on time, to get to different extracurriculars on time. We talk about what we're doing that's out of the ordinary for the week. We talk about um, what we're doing over the weekend. Sometimes we even plan our meals together, like what do we want to eat this week? That's always empowering too, to give her a choice in making or deciding and helping make whatever it is that we're going to eat that week. That actually helps a lot with power struggles around mealtime. So giving her that option and choice in planning um, some meals. That one we don't do as often because we're kind of like, what are we eating today? <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. But a lot of times we do that if we have something special on the agenda. Um, then next we do, so it's appreciation, schedule, and then training. And training is a time where we get to go over something with Rosalie that we want to work on with her. Maybe it's teaching her how to um, empty or load the dishwasher or something that's like close to the ground that she can reach that she could easily help us with or feeding the cats and dogs or something that we've taught her how to do during training time. It's also a time for us to bring up behavioral issues and talk about that and role play those scenarios and how we would prefer to be treated or or how she would prefer to be treated in those moments or how we can kind of work as a family together to overcome those types of obstacles. And we do a lot of role playing during those training sessions. It's also a time for her to train us on anything she thinks we need <laughs> yeah. sharpening up on. It's really cool to watch her face when we ask if there's anything she would like to train us on and, you know, tell her like, oh, you know, we want to be the best parents we can be for you. And if there's something that we're doing that you don't like or appreciate, or there's something that you would like us to do differently, like now's a really good time for you to bring that up. And we really want to create that space for you to have to, to talk about. And we want to be open to that and understand what you're experiencing. That's one way that we can understand her experience and what, what it's like being Rosalie. Yeah. It's a really cool moment in the, in the family meeting. Um, 
It's also, family meetings also a time to bring up those hard things that we're going through in life. You know, like when um, her dad, Dave, was moving out of the house, we brought that up at family meeting time. Family meeting is a place for, it's a complete safe space for all emotions, all concerns, um, for anyone in the family to bring up issues that need to be discussed. Um, because it's the same time every week you can come prepared. Um, and this is where a lot of our hashing it out takes place. Um, and I can, I can't wait, honestly, till she's a lot older and she's really able to communicate her needs and feelings better. Um, because it's going to be so cool <laughs> to <laughs> experience that. Right now, she just kind of goes with the flow because she's five and it's adorable. But but it uh, still helps her work through stuff. Like, and, in, in, like, she has a space and a place to talk with us and work with us that allows her to express if she's having a hardship and or – Again, if we think about it from that trauma aspect, we are creating a space to help her cope with hardships that we might face and endure in life because they're going to happen. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. As much as we want it to be, there's going to be things that challenge us. And this is a great place to help empower her to rise to that occasion. Yeah, and it's also doing it no matter what, not just calling a family meeting when there is a problem or a big thing going on uh, in our lives that we need to talk about. You know, this is what we do, even if everything's cool, yeah. everything's just operating, you know, SOP. Yeah, <laughs> or if we're traveling, like we've done family meetings, if we've been traveling and we're at our parents' house or something, we do family meeting with our parents and like, that's been cool. Like anytime we've done family meeting with our parents, like our moms like start crying and they're so proud of what we're doing and how this works out. And they get emotional because Rosalie is appreciating them. And like, it's, it's fucking cool. It's so cool. Yeah. We can't get through family meeting without tears. If we do it with the grandparents. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then the next part of family meeting is allowance, where Rosalie gets her allowance. <laughs> and that comes no matter what. It doesn't, you know, it's not a reward system. It's not based on if she did her chores this week. It's just this is when you get it. This is when you get to go put it in your piggy bank and save it up for a rainy day. Um and we started that early, even though she doesn't really need to buy anything or have it. <laughs> we just put it in the agenda because it's something that's going to happen down the road. And why not? Yeah. Uh, and then we do some family fun time. Uh, usually it's an activity of her choice. Uh, give her that choice. Um, but we do something fun as a family. I mean, we do family time most days. All, most of the days, <laughs> All the time, yeah. but... Uh, family meeting especially has to be, we want to end it, cap it with something fun. So we do uh, family fun time and do a snack time afterwards as well, which usually is a treat, chocolate, cookies, or something like that. Maybe some ice cream. Yeah, usually ice cream or we bake cookies together or something. But it's that's how we cap off family meeting. And it's once a week on Sunday nights right before the start of 
the rest of our week. So it's a great way to finish the weekend. Yeah, definitely. And so the next tool is something maybe you might have heard us talk about a whole lot during that family meeting uh, tool, choice. Choice is huge in allowing somebody to uh, feel like they're important and feel like they belong to whatever they're a part of. And choice is uh, woven into the fabric of the human experience and is such an important part of the human experience and is pivotal in what we do with our kids um, Vanessa, what are, share, share with them some of the ways that we empower Rosalie with choice. So, you know, when you're asking your kid, like, oh, what do they want? What do you want to eat for breakfast? Or what do you want to do today or whatever? And the choices are endless and they don't really have an answer. Like the best thing to do is give them options, give them like two or three choices to pick from. And what that does is it gives the parent... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, some sort of like control in the situation where you know you're going to be doing one or one of two of these things. And um, it gives the child some empowered choice and some empowered choice and, and ability to uh, shape the situation for themselves and feel that sense of belonging because they did get to have a decision or a choice in the matter or their input heard. Um, so that is one thing we like to do in most scenarios, you know, and it's not, you know, most of the time we give her choice in all the things that we do. Yeah. About the only time that her, her ability to choose is really kind of removed is when it's a safety consideration. And at which point we tell her like, Hey, this is uh this is a safety thing. Um, we're like, no, you can't do this for these safety reasons and are, are pretty explicit on explaining that. Yeah. And that's another, that goes to like another tool we use or, or strategy, I guess you could say, is that whenever she says vehemently, like, no, I'm not whatever to something, um, we've talked about this. It's been brought up at training. We say, well, why? And she has to tell us why. And the same goes for us. If she's doing something that we say, no, you can't do that. We, she can ask us why, and we tell her why. And that's kind of why, obviously the safety issue came up there. Yeah. But you know, how many kids like you think, or you've heard or you might have even have said this, like, it's like their favorite word is no. Yeah. And it's because our society and our culture, it's like, all you hear is no, don't do that. Don't do this. Stop. Don't touch that. It's like, no, no, no. And so kids, our kids repeat that back to us um, when we ask them to do something. And they don't know why. And they don't know why. It just comes out of their mouth sometimes. And so we have become aware of this and seen this pattern and it's really proven to work out really well for us when we taught when we were like all right anytime you say no to us you're gonna have to say tell us why and if it's a reasonable 
reason, obviously, we're going to be able to work through this in a yeah. in a way that's going to work work out for everyone in the family. Um, and same goes for us. If we tell her no, we get to, we have to explain why. And I think this is a great tool and one that yeah. could shift a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, and and I like it too, especially because it like if you now have to have a reason why you're telling your kid no, you also have to understand why you're telling them no. And so now you are, in a sense, bringing a tool to your own table, to your own self, to be more consciously aware of why you're saying no. Like, what? why are you saying no? Because there's definitely been times since we've instituted that that I'll be like, no, don't do that. And I'm like, but why? Oh no! Okay, you can go go ahead and do that. Like that was I, I was just being silly, and for whatever reason, felt the need to like control the situation, and that's the situation that I don't need to control. Let go. Yeah. If I don't have a damn good reason to justify it, well, then I I need to step back. Yeah, and that goes into like allowing your kid to take risk. Um, we do a lot of that around here, and we do it in different scenarios too like i'm very comfortable with rosalie using a sharp kitchen knife to to practice or to cut open a piece of fruit or a vegetable or help me chop something up if you watch her and you take some deep breaths (laughs) she's actually being very careful and watching her fingers and see, like she's aware of what her body's doing in space and we have to allow this release of control and allow them to try things that are or seemingly are risky then there's things like cliff jumping <laughs> what what's that supposed to mean <laughs> ross is much more comfortable jumping off of cliffs and allowing Rosalie to do the same, whereas I will just stand back and um, do some deep breathing. Yeah, and when Rosalie's cutting a piece of fruit open, I definitely, I gotta walk out of the room. I can't can't do it, but she's she's good. And that's part of the thing to connect with in moments like that too. Like part of the parenting journey is learning to like trust your child, trust your kid in them making calculated risk and knowing too, like there's definitely going to be times where they trip and fall. There's going to be times where they cut themselves. There's going to be times when they scrape their knees. There's going to be times where they get it wrong and they fail. And we have to be okay with that because I mean, if you look into any of the science behind it, uh, you're, you're learning, you learn more from failure and making mistakes than you do anything else. Uh, I thought it was really cool. One of the books I recently started, they were talking about um, uh, military pilots back in way back in the day and how they used to have like a, on like a 30% plus death rate because they would crash and die all the time. And it was because they were learning how to fly an airplane, like literally by flying an airplane and they would crash that all the time and die. And when they finally got simulators where they could make errors without death and make errors and learn from those errors they became much better more skilled pilots quicker faster um and it was so it's cool like giving them an opportunity to fail 
and or giving them an opportunity to fail safely that Without doesn't like dying. end their life they can <laughs> you can learn so much better and faster um there's one thing that i i wanted to say we kind of got away from uh going into some other tools away from choice but one of the big ones that we did that was super helpful um was putting her clothes on her level and we stopped saying oh it's time to go get dressed in basically switch that language to oh what would you like to wear today and she gets to pick out what she wants to wear and like you know we don't struggle around when it's time to get ready in the morning as much anymore like there's some other struggles but it's a lot less and it's a lot easier and she just goes and gets dressed and picks out her her clothes whatever she's going to wear on the day and so like that can be carried through a lot of things too it can be uh, we have a little spot in the kitchen where her plates and forks and spoons and knives are, and she gets to pick all that out for dinner and different things like that. It can be little simple things to put on, on their level that allows them to learn how to make different choices that aren't necessarily as risky. Or and they learn how to take safety. care of themselves. Yeah, they learn how to take care of themselves, but empowering them with choice and having an opportunity to practice choosing different things is huge. It's huge and it's empowering and like they get that sense of belonging and significance from it. And it's really cool to see and watch that unfold. Another thing we've done around um, changing our language is instead of like, we, and we still fall victim to this occasionally. We're not perfect at it. But instead of saying, don't do that, we try and make a conscious effort to say what to do. An example of this, like Rosalie likes to get up from the dinner table and go play or stand up in her chair and dance around and she gets distracted while eating. And instead of me being like, don't get up or don't, don't stand in your chair, I say, can you please sit down? <laughs> and then that's like quick and easy. And it works 10 times better by saying, can you please sit to from, instead of don't do that? Because they don't know what to do. And you're their parent. And maybe, you know, they're not looking for you to tell them what to do, but they're looking for your direction and your guidance. And when you say or you give them a command in a sense, uh, it it allows them to feel safe because they don't feel confused. Well, you don't want me to do that, but what do you want me to do? They don't know. They don't know what you actually want unless you actually say it. So that's one that we try to shift and do all the time in any situation. You know, it's like if she's doing something we don't want her to do, we're like, okay, well, I have to like stop and consciously think to myself, what would I prefer her to be doing? And I'm going to ask her to do that rather than telling her to stop doing whatever it is that she's doing. Right. Which, I mean, even beyond parenting like that, <laughs> <laughs> like we don't operate on what not to do. We operate better on what to do, even as grown-ass adults, yeah. it's way better to speak from a language of positive uh, rather than the negative. And so <laughs> that can be really beneficial for us as 
as parents to tap back into that of what, what do we want to do? It's all about what do we want to do? It's, it can be a struggle, but do the best you can to, to guide them on what you want to do and avoid the don't do or not want them to do kind of a thing. Another tool that we've found that's really beneficial too in, in helping with all this stuff is, uh, empowering Rosalie with alone time where it's, I I mean, it's undirected and unguided as possible. Like just let her do whatever it is that she wants to do. Like (laughs) she's not going to burn the fucking house down. (laughs) So (laughs) she makes a mess. She makes a mess. We can clean it up. All messes can be cleaned up, you know? So like letting her kind of like do and explore her environment is, really enriching for a kid to and and to learn and create neuro pathways and all kinds of cool brain shit <laughs> yeah watching her like observing her from like afar when she's like sitting at her desk like building something or drawing something and just being really in her creative space is always fun you know, it's like that imagination is just going wild and we have to allow that time for kids to be imaginative. You know, there's sometimes as parents, they want to be around us all the time and they want to, we're, we feel like we're just there to entertain them. And that can be frustrating. I get frustrated with that. I'm like, okay, go just go do your own thing for a minute so I can go to the bathroom and be alone for 10 minutes. And like, this is one of those moments where it's like, well, if it's in the schedule or it's something that we've called it when we've named it, like, all right, you're going to go have Rosalie time right now and she goes to her room and she plays and there's a time limit on it a lot of times this is like if she's home from school on a weekday and we're both in meetings or something with clients like there has to be some give and take and she's old enough to be alone in the house by herself uh, while we're here in the house as well um, so that's something we've implemented as well that's really awesome and I know a lot of people do that probably more than we do in all honesty so it's something personally we've had to really work on because we do like to always be around and be interacting with her another thing we do and i think this is the last one we have written down is um it might be special in our house or if you know you're a chiropractor too you might do this with your family but if you're not um one thing we do as a family is we all get adjusted together and even if you're not a chiropractor you can do this as well you just might not get to do it in the comfort of your own home <laughs> like we right. do um but Rosalie Ross myself we all go to the adjusting table and we all get clear together and we have this like 10, 20 20ish minutes where I take care of her, I take care of Ross, and then Rosalie actually takes care of me and she helps she helps me take care of Ross too, which is really cool because I feel like I'm teaching her these really amazing skills of like reading the body and stuff. So that's something that is really cool that we do as a family that we've implemented. Um, it's not just, you know, like 
something we do when we're in pain. It's something we do all the time um, to function optimally and to reconnect to our mind, body, and our spirit in a way that helps us come back to our conscious choice making and our core beliefs and our deep truth within ourselves. Yeah, no, so that's definitely a lot of fun as well. I like it. It's cool. I'm <laughs> super fortunate to <laughs> to have access to that kind of stuff right at my own. Um, and obviously, you know, I mean, that could look different for you though, too. Like it could be maybe instead of a adjusting time, like it can be something to just another tool that helps you kind of decompress and reconnect. It could be some family meditation time. Yeah. Mindfulness time. Yeah. Like that's super, that can be super awesome and super effective. And, you know, anybody can can learn that you don't have to have a, a doctorate in chiropractic to, <laughs> to do that. Um, but yeah, no, I think that kind of wraps it up for some of the tools. But one of the things that uh, comes to my mind with a lot of this stuff is one of the books that we read was called the conscious parent. And we're going to leave you all with a bunch of different resources here that we've consumed that have really helped us learn a lot of these tools and a lot more, beyond what we're able to talk about in just one episode here. Um, but The Conscious Parent, there is a episode or a, a line in that book that, that really hit me and basically saying that your, your child is a spiritual opportunity for growth and your child is a reflection back to you on your unhealed subconscious. And like that has hit me in a different way. And so anytime I struggle with Rosalie in some regard, I get introspective of it from that lens. And it really helps me connect with the, whatever's going on and find a path forward. Um, and again, like as it ties back to, to bullying, like that's been a huge part for me in this journey. And it's like, I can't parent from a place of, power and coercion and making her do what I want her to do. Like she is her own person. And if I am not going to respect that, then the relationship that exists between her and I is going to suffer greatly. And if the relationship between her and I suffers greatly, <laughs> guess what? I'm going to want to like put her in time out all the time because she's going to be being bad in my eyes when it's me that's making the errors and making the mistakes. And when I look inside me and become and connect with that self of me and try and tap into that idea of conscious parenting, our relationship has flourished since then. And I'm confident that it will help you and empower you in your parenting journey and in your healing journey. Damn. That shit's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a healing journey is definitely sexy, and it enlivens your life in all kinds of sexy ways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so our challenge to you for this episode is to pick one of these books or a book that you might have seen and have, like, in your uh, – audible 
that you haven't listened to yet or any anything, but you can use one of our examples that that one of our resources that we've used. I'm going to list them off here in a minute. Um, but yeah, that's our challenge to you. Yeah. And before you read that list off, Vanessa, and before look at it this way, I want any of you out there that aren't parents, I want you to accept this challenge as well, because I, I think about it from like a healing journey and like you learning some of these things about parenting, even if you aren't a parent can be so fucking powerful for your own healing in and of yourself that you're going to be empowered and benefit from it. Um, because a lot of the things that I've learned through reading some of this stuff has helped me as a person. Reparent yourself. Reparent, exactly. And have a better relationship with myself. And that's really a lot. It's all about relationships, whether it's the relationship with yourself or the relationship with your kid or your partner or your parent, your co-parent, uh, whatever. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to improve the quality of your relationship with yourself and as the quality of your relationship with yourself increases, the quality of all your other relationships will increase. And the the qualitative, you know, quality of your life is the sum of your relationships. The conscious parent was a really good one for that. Like I was reading it thinking, damn, I wish I had read this before I was a parent. Yeah. That was Same. powerful. Um, all right. That being said. The Conscious Parent, number one. <laughs> um, also, I have a lot of books that I've read uh, regarding unschooling, homeschooling, things like that, that have like shifted and shaped my philosophy on parenting. So I'm going to list those off as well. Uh, one of those is called Free to Learn. Um, also, The Alter Ego Effect is a really great book to read about how to step into the basically the alter ego of the conscious parent, if you if that's the alter ego you choose. Um, so that was a really great book, can be read by a parent or non-parent. It has nothing to do with parenting. Um, Courage to Grow is another one. Nurture Shock. The oh, and Nurture Shock, actually, no, we think about it, that like ties back into uh, some of the previous episodes, uh, having a different conversation, uh, especially was, uh, very influenced by nurture shock. Yeah. Talking about the racism and how kids see it. Yeah. Um, all right. The Danish way of parenting, really great book. They actually have an acronym for parent where it's P is play. A is authenticity. R is reframing. E is empathy, N is no ultimatums, and T is togetherness. And all of the chapters are talking about those um, uh, six different tools there. So that's a really great book as well. Um, I'm going to say this one as well. Way of the Superior Man is a yeah. really powerful book for parenting because it has helped me and Ross step into our like masculine energy in order to parent better a feminine child. And uh, you can probably flip that around the other way as well. But like when she is in her feminine flow, which is a child state, it's a it's a energy that is chaos that cannot be controlled. Like how do you wrangle that in? Yeah. And you do it with 
masculine energy. And so that's a really great book yeah. as well. I mean, and even, even most young boys are going to be primarily feminine energy. Most all kids are going to be primarily in their feminine energy. Um, and for what it's worth, it's definitely made my relationship with Rosalie when I read that book and embodied a lot of the things and teachings from that book. Uh, so much better in so many different ways. Uh, it's been super awesome. Another one that I liked is why are you still sending your kids to school? This is one for the homeschoolers or the unschoolers, the people who um, really want to take that responsibility on of teaching your child. Um, the conscious parent, that one already said that one, nonviolent communication biology of belief and no drama discipline. Those are all some really great resources as well as the actual online course that's called Positive Parenting Solutions. This one was huge. It taught us about um, me and you time, although they call it something else. They call mind, it mind, body, and soul time. Mind, body, soul time. Yeah. Um, because it helps the kids reconnect to, you know, their family and their parents in like a mind, body, yeah. spirit, holistic way. It's and awesome. Positive parenting solutions was, uh, the big one that, that was the, that was the thing that we started consuming at the shift, you know, at the, that moment when we realized that this timeout stuff isn't working, we need to do something different. Uh, and that's Vanessa found positive parenting solutions and that was chock full of all kinds of super good tools and ideas that empowered us. Um, and one of the ways that I looked at it after consuming that and then also consuming the conscious parent was uh, positive parenting solutions gave us the tools to employ and the conscious parent gave us the the soul behind it all and Why? the spiritual aspects behind it all. And it was the, the two together like just aligned so wonderfully and it's super empowering. Yeah. So – Go forth and consume some of that and empower yourself as a, as a parent. Uh, it's going to help you heal as an individual and it's going to help you, uh, create a powerful child. So. Yeah, for sure. And we are not experts on this matter. Again, we are just telling you what we have done and telling you our story around it all and how it has shaped our relationship with our child and our relationship with parenting in general. And it's been awesome. It has been. It has been super awesome. And I always am so heartbroken when I'm around parents who are struggling with their kids and they just don't know what to do. And I've been meaning to create a podcast about this or, or record a podcast about this with Ross for a long time because we've done a lot of reading and a lot of consuming of content and implementing of that content. And, you know, it pays off. It really does. It has. For for myself as a person and for my relationship with with both Vanessa and Rosalie. So I hope it helps you as well. And if you're not a parent, share this episode with somebody who is. Yes. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Y'all have a great day. A quick note about the Project Unchained podcast. 
I'm not a doctor nor a therapist. I'm just a driven guy who has seen firsthand what this healing journey can do for the quality of a person's life experiences. The ideas and concepts I share with you are a result of my own ongoing journey and that of my guests. I truly want you to live a more free and empowered life. This is my gift to you. Thanks for joining Project Unchained today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And if the tools you've learned have helped you, please consider leaving a review so that this show ends up higher in search results. By doing that, you can help me help others get unchained. If you know someone who specifically would benefit from today's episode, please share it with them directly. If what I'm discussing on the show resonates with you and you'd like to chat, please do reach out. I respond to all messages. You can find me on Instagram at Ross.Lepola, and I'm on Facebook, Ross Lepola. My email is in the show notes. Lastly, I want to give a special thank you to my very talented cousin, Caitlin Lee, for the intro and outro music for this podcast. The song is Lost in the Woods from her 2018 album, Learning How to Stay. You can find Galen's albums on Bandcamp, Spotify, and ViolinScratches.com. Until next time, I hope you live your life a little more unchained. Give yourself away.